G'day guys and girls and welcome back to this week's edition of the Extended Bench Podcast. My name's Christian and something a little bit different this week actually. I'm all by my lonesome in the studio today which is a little bit unfortunate due to some illness and scheduling conflicts. Matt couldn't be here today so you just have to listen to my dulcet tones as I go over last round's AFL Fantasy Action which there was an absolute truckload of it. A lot of great scores out there, particularly from all of our proven premium players. A couple of downsides. I mean, we obviously, we had some late outs. We had some injuries. So we're going to dive right into that now because, as you all know, this is the last week for especially salary cap enthusiasts to have that final charge before finals because, you know, after this week... Yes, you're either in finals or you're out. So hopefully you're on the uh, the better side of that equation. But if not, we'll see if we can help you with your last charge. So first game of the round last week was the Bombers versus Sydney. And I mean, this kind of looked like a foregone conclusion after about half time because the Bombers just were all over the Swans in this one. So won by uh, 109 to 66. And just in terms of fantasy scoring, realistically, there wasn't that much out there. So there was a couple of big scores from Dyson Heppel with 116. Fantastic for his draft owners. And David Myers bobbed up. He's been doing that on and off. It's it's really tough to sort of gauge what he is able to score because he's a, a great guy to pick up off the waiver wire now and then. But you just don't know which game he's going to go particularly big in. I know he's been a risk it for, for myself, and uh, I think he scored about 60 that week, unfortunately. Uh, Zach Merritt was locked down by uh, Hewitt, I think was on him. But, I mean, he's working through the tag so much better than he was at the start of the year. So, scored 99 with that hard tag, and Hewitt's done some good jobs. So, I mean, I think we can safely say that not only is Zach Merritt back, but he's learned how to work through a tag. And because he's learned how to work through that tag, we can have a lot more security in selecting him next year. I mean, I'm absolutely starting the year with him next, uh, the start of next season. And, you know, he'll be a lot cheaper than he was this time uh, earlier this season. Uh, Zaharakis came, obviously, a great score last week back from injury. 96 is pretty solid from him. You'd be happy with that. Devin Smith, on the other hand, 95. I mean, you're not you're not going to chuff at that. You're pretty pretty uh, happy with that. Pretty satisfied. You'd hope for more. I mean, he has been one of the best, if not the best, forwards all year. And I mean, 95. You'd be expecting him to score more comfortably around about 105. But everyone in salary cap has him. If you don't have Devin Smith by now, you're probably struggling. So you don't have too much to worry about there. Um, Just in terms of some of the other depth guys, I mean, Kyle Langford is one that both Matt and I have been keeping an eye on all year for draft league owners and particularly keeper league owners. Uh, He was played in the midfield for the start of the game, then went up forward and played a key forward role. I'm not sure if that had anything to do with uh, Matty D going down injured. I know that he was, uh, I think he was concussed early in the, or late in the first quarter. So if that's the reason, then hopefully the Bombs will bring someone back in and Kyle Langford will be able to play more of that midfield role, which has given uh, quite a few big scores earlier in the year. Uh, But as of moving forward to next year, he'll safely have that forward uh, DPP status. Uh, So he'll definitely be uh, a better selection because he should be playing a lot more midfield time. However, because he does have that forward status, you know, if he's averaging 80 or 85 next year, you're exceptionally happy with that from a fantasy point of view. 
Uh, over on the Sydney Swans side, I mean, this was just a disappointing game from them, not just from a uh, game point of view, but I mean, from a fantasy point of view, their highest scorer didn't even make the ton, which was Luke Parker on 97. You'd be expecting a lot more than that from some of these guys, particularly Jake Lloyd. I mean, 94, you're still happy with that as a defender. Isaac Heaney, he was just outside of the Heaney zone this week with a 90. I mean, you're happy with that, but considering how high these players can go and considering that they're all locked into our top sixes for either defense or forward, particularly with Lloyd and Heaney, um, you'd be hoping for a lot more than that from some of these guys. Uh, Josh Kennedy came crashing down to earth a little bit after last week's massive score with a 75. But realistically, the entire Swans team were down. Um, unfortunately for me, I selected Alir Alir with my uh, Risk It for the Biscuit pick last week. And he was looking on track for a monster score. I mean, he was everywhere in the first couple of quarters. But he did twist his left knee uh, when he was landing in a marking contest. Uh, I think sometime in the second quarter... Um, he came back on, but he just didn't look like himself after that. So there was a little bit of an injury contributing there. Lance Franklin is another one just to talk about quickly before we move on to the next game. I'm not 100% sure where, sure where he's at at the moment. I mean, he had that amazing start to the year, and I've heard that uh, Horse Longmire saying that he's, he's barely training during the week, so there's something wrong with his body. I mean... I, I almost don't have confidence in selecting him for my starting team in draft leagues at the moment. So I, I'm almost feeling like I should play Lance Franklin sort of off the bench. And if he scores particularly well, then yep, uh, bring in a donut onto the field so that you get his substitute score. And if he doesn't, you know, you can play someone else who, you know, guarantees you a 65 or a 70. I'd, I'd almost feel more safe doing that at the moment because Lance Franklin just doesn't look like himself. Uh, another downside to this game was uh, Colin O'Riordan. I mean, he's had a great couple of weeks to start his career, but unfortunately came crashing down a little bit with a 34, which was strange because he had scored about 22 points in the first quarter. I mean, he was looking really good for a solid score. I know a lot of salary cap guys would have been rolling with him as their last rookie on the field before they upgrade him this week. Look, you've just got to move him on. If If you have any more rookies on the field, you need to get them off. Even if you're bringing in more of a mid-pricer who has the ability to score higher, I'd be much more comfortable with that at this point in the season than having a true rookie on your field. Uh, next game of the round, I mean, this was another one that seemed like a foregone conclusion about halfway through the second quarter. R Richmond versus Magpies. I mean, the Tigers were just too good in this one. They were fantastic. And unfortunately for us fantasy coaches out there, they're... Ability to just win game after game, particularly at the MCG, just is not translating into any fantasy scores. They were another team this week that had absolutely no tons in their side, and the highest score was Toby Nankervis. So their Ruckman with a 94, I mean, again, I unless you're in a, a deeper draft league, I just don't trust any of these guys on my field. Uh, you know, Dusty Martin had a great score uh, last week, but comes back with an 80, just not enough. Uh, Dion Prestia, probably, he's been one of the form Tigers uh, the past month, but uh, he has a bit of a rib injury at the moment after getting crunched with a hip and shoulder. Um, I, I just, I'm not sure if he's playing this week, so 
Keep an eye on those team sheets. If he's not, you obviously have to move him to your bench in draft leagues. Uh, you know, Shane Edwards with a 90. These are these are all draft guys. And for salary cap leagues out there, you just <laughs> Richmond really aren't the team to be looking for. The team that you do want to be looking at, obviously, is the Magpies. I mean, they lost this game, but they've just got such a fantasy-friendly style. And, you know, 147 from Brody Grundy is huge. I mean, he's the best Ruckman going around at the moment by such a long, long way. Uh, Maxi Gorn is obviously a, you know, a second, but the way that Brody Grundy scores with uh, just racking up disposals all around the ground is incredible. 19 handballs, and a lot of those were contested, like 12 contested possessions for a Ruckman. It, it's it's outstanding. I mean, he's absolutely incredible. Uh, Scotty Pendlebury continues his rich vein of form. That brings his average for the year up to 105. I mean, he's just doing it again and again. Uh, if you're looking for a safe option, someone who's just safe as houses week in, week out, Scotty Pendlebury is the way to go. Uh, Steel side bottom, bounced back this week, which is great to see. I mean, he'd been down the last month. He'd been awful. I, mean, I know a lot of people on Twitter in particular were looking at trading side bottom out. At this point in the season, unless you've got a lot of other issues, you know, side bottom should be pretty safe in your side. He's got the ability to score really well. 120 from him. 116 from Tom Phillips is another good bounce back. And the interesting thing for me here was Tommy Langdon with 103. So obviously really, really unfortunate, particularly for keeper league owners out there. And obviously for the man himself, Matty Scharenberg going down with his third ACL injury. So he's got to have his third uh, knee reconstruction, which is really unfortunate. I mean, he was putting together a pretty solid season after a great comeback last year. And unfortunately, he's going to miss out on not only all of this year, but probably most of next year as well. So, uh, you know, with that Collingwood halfback uh, roundup that Matt and I do most weeks, you know, Matt Scharenberg, the position that he plays does take away a lot of scoring ability for some of these halfbacks. So it'll be interesting to see if some uh, players like uh, Tom Langdon, maybe even Jack Crisp can get back up to his scoring ability. Uh, Sam Murray has cemented his spot in the side again, you would think. Uh, he was pretty good on the weekend. So if he can really get that scoring ability back up... Um, Obviously, Jeremy Howe as well went down in this game with a concussion issue. He got kneed in the face, which <laughs> looked horrible. Um, 17 from him. I mean, you know, obviously you keep him in your side. I think he should be back up for this week's game. Uh, it really depends on the concussion protocol. Uh, but I have the odd feeling that he was looking pretty good during the week. So I think Jeremy Howe is going to get back up for your sides this week. Obviously, Matty Scharenberg isn't, so... If you've got him in draft leagues, bring someone in off the waiver wire. I mean, you, you can't afford at this point of the season with finals just approaching to be carrying a donut in your bench, which is a guaranteed donut as well. It's not like he's any chance to come back in. Uh, next game of the round. Uh, I mean, this another one where the Cats just got away in the end. Uh, Brisbane, they put up a fight for the first half, but came out the, the Cats just came out after halftime and dominated. And... They dominated on the stat sheet as well. Tommy Hawkins, again, seven goals this week, was outstanding. 132 from him. That's back-to-back 120-pluses. Again, he's a he's a key forward. I wouldn't be trusting this. Rich vein of form, though. So, I mean, it's just like Darling earlier on in the year. I mean, he was in such a rich vein of form. Everyone was suggesting that he was getting uh, to be a fantasy proposition. 
I mean, he went down with an injury, which halted that. But even then, after coming back, he's just proved once again to be too inconsistent. So I wouldn't be trusting these key forward guys in salary cap leagues. If you've got him in a draft league, though, well done. I mean, that's he's been fantastic for you the past couple of weeks. Uh, Gaza, great. 130 from him was fantastic. Uh, the young young gun, uh, Brandon Parfit. I mean, he looks really good when he's played in that pure midfield role. He's worth a stash in keeper leagues if he's unowned. Uh, it, obviously, if you don't have a waiver wire shut off on your league, as we do. I mean, uh, just to sort of explain that, most of your keeper leagues out there will have a cutoff on when you can uh, not only stop trades within your league, but also stop waiver wire pickups just to, you know, keep the competition a little bit more even and to stop tanking. So obviously when players start to feel that they are out of finals contention, they'll drop a lot of their uh, mid-tier players. They'll bring in a lot of young rookies who really are unproven just to see what they can do later in the year and also, you know, over the preseason and going into next year. However, that does make your competition a little bit more uneven. So some of the players who are in finals contention who happen to be playing against those uh, players who have given up, I mean, they'll just receive a massive boost at the end of the year and might push themselves ahead of some other players. It just really isn't an even way to uh, do your keeper league. So most will have that waiver wire cutoff. Um, If you don't have your waiver wire cutoff set for this uh, late in the season... Uh, yeah, make sure to grab Brandon Parfit if he's there because he does look like he has a really great fantasy game about him. Uh, Mitch Duncan, really solid in this game, 110. Scotty Selwood bounced back after a couple of scores in the 50s and 60s. Um, I don't think that this can keep going. I mean, this was just one particular smashing. They've got a much harder game against Richmond this week. So, you know, some of these depth guys like Scott Selwood, Jordan Cunico with 101, I don't think they're going to be scoring quite as high this week. So if you're looking for someone off the waiver wire for one particular week, I wouldn't be looking at those guys. Uh, Sam Menegola, 97. He didn't look like scoring anywhere near the 90s, and he just junked it up in the last quarter. It's what he does best, junk time footy. But again, jeez, oh you really want him to put together sort of a score around 110, 120 in this game. And I know that sounds pretty greedy, considering 97 for a forward is fantastic. But yeah, we're just hoping for a little bit more. Uh, Paddy Dangerfield. Um Look, I still think he's in the top six forwards. This is one down game, a 66, and we know he's been a little bit up and down, but we saw last week what kind of games he can produce, and he is a fantastic player. When he plays a bit more in the midfield, which I think he will this week against Richmond in particular because they'll want to halt some of that uh, Richmond midfield flow that they get. Uh, So I'm going to lock in Paddy Dangerfield for a pretty big score this week, probably around 110 or so. Uh, you know, Tim Kelly came crashing down a bit to earth, but like we, we've been saying all year, that there are so many mouths to feed at Geelong this year. It's just really hard to get a gauge of who's going to score well in one week and who's going to score poorly another. I mean, another one was uh, Joel Selwood, who has been having a great end to the season and just got 64 in this game. So it's just really, really hard to sort of predict with the Cats. Um, if you if you've done well predicting that this season from a draft league point of view, well done to you out there. Uh, Lions, a um, couple of good scores in there. Dane Beams, one hundred and twenty nine was real. I mean, he he's proven Matt and I wrong. I mean, Matt and I were really worried about this guy heading into the uh, back end of the season after going through that great period of form. 
he we're just not 100% sure. Obviously, he's had injuries in the past. He's been tagged in the past as well and not been able to work through it. At the moment, he's proving that wrong. So 129 to him in a tough game against the Cats. Um, and he was sort of looked at by uh, Scott Selwood from time to time as well. So I have no issues in picking up Dane Beams. If you've got the cash out there and you don't have him, pick him up. He'll reward you in the finals this year. Uh, Dane Zorko was solid with 106, but there's a pretty big fall off from there as well. So Louis Taylor was the next best with an 89. Look, one of the talk, couple of the talking points for me from Brisbane was uh, Steph Martin with a 77. Just it, it was sort of a, a yin and yang type performance here from the two ruckmen on either side. So Reese Stanley and Steph Martin. So Stanley was dominating in the first half he uh, he would have been on about 55 or so at half time and Steph Martin had barely cracked 20 points I mean he just didn't look like getting near the ball I don't know what Chris Fagan did at half time but he set a rocket up Steph Martin and Steph finished on 77 for the game was dominant in that second half and just destroyed Reese Stanley who only got another 10 or so points for the remainder of the game um Look, Steph is still a quality pick. Uh, if you've got him in draft leagues, I I would hang on to him for dear life because he's just one of those consistent ruck scorers. But in salary cap, if you're still rolling with Steph Martin, you need to move him on for one of the top two ruckmen. I just don't think you'll be able to be competitive if you don't have a ruck lineup that consists of Gorn and Grundy. I mean, we'll talk about Goldstein a little bit later. But I just think that those two are, are so far head and shoulders above the rest of the pack. Um, the other one I want to talk about just quickly was Alex Witherden. I, I mean, he's he's a great young player. He looked fantastic last week. A little bit of a um, point of difference as well because obviously he was owned by less than 6% of the competition. A lot of people brought him in. Look, a 77 is a solid score. It's not what you're after when you bought him around about that that average that he was looking at over the past month. And I, I just never really bought into him as a solid salary cap performer just yet. I mean, he's still young. Brisbane are going to have a, after a great run of form, it's going to be tough for them towards the end of the year. Uh, they do have a couple of tricky games, particularly in the, uh, the grand final game. So Obviously, the grand final for AFL Fantasy will be the last round, round 23, and Brisbane are coming up against West Coast. West Coast are, traditionally this year, one of the hardest teams to score against. So I I just wouldn't be too comfortable in having sort of players like Alex Witherden on your side. Um, the other interesting one to look at, so I did just mention Dane Beams, but West Coast have one of the better taggers in the league at the moment uh, in terms of form. Uh, which is Mark Hutchings, who's doing damaging jobs on a lot of big players. He will absolutely go to Dane Beams. I wouldn't have thought he would go to Dane Zorko. So, you know, in saying uh, what I said earlier about Dane Beams being an absolute lock, for that last round, that grand final round, that could be interesting to look at. Uh, We'll push on to the Giants and Saints game. Um, Saints could have won this. Saints were really in this. They just couldn't kick a goal to save their life. They were so inaccurate. Um, and uh, they also probably should have tagged this bloke, Lockie Whitfield. I mean, 130 after a massive 150 last week to him. I mean, he was stellar again. 11 marks and only three contested possessions. So almost all of his possessions are on the outside when he's completely free. 
He just looks so damaging with ball in hand. Uh, his fantasy scoring is through the roof at the moment. You need to have Lockie Whitfield in your defense. He's the form defender of the competition at the moment. And wow, I mean, he just looks absolutely fantastic. For some reason, the Saints chose to send Steele to Callan Ward, which, I mean, they've got a lot of damaging players in their side. Obviously, Dylan Scheel, uh, Tim Taranto, who's in great form. Josh Kelly had 126 in this game, so was dominant. Um, even Stephen Canelio was really good in this game. And, you know, with 22 kicks, so compared to seven handballs, that kick-to-handball ratio was really high. You would have thought that Steele would have gone to one of them, but no, tried to lock down on Ward. Unfortunately, it didn't work there for the Saints. Um, I'm kind of worried about the Giants headed forward with a Lockie Whitfield forward tag, but he's not attracting the number one tagger at the moment because their midfield is so solid. So you can be pretty safe in the knowledge that Lockie is going to be one of the best scorers for the rest of the season in defense. Um, some of the other top scorers, Jacob Hopper backed up a really good 100 last week with a 93. So he's putting together some uh, some better scoring consistency there. It'll be interesting to see what he can produce going into next year for Keeper League owners. So, I mean, obviously by myself and by Matt as well, he's really, really highly regarded is uh, Jacob Hopper. He, he hasn't put together what we thought he could do considering his start to his career. If he can start getting some of those really consistent high scoring, he's going to be a great player to have for Keeper Leagues going forward. Um, Heath Shaw as well with a 92 was really good. So a lot of great draft league guys for the Giants. (laughs) Interesting one from uh, Toby Green on zero points at quarter time and came home like, like an absolute cannon on 77 at the end of the game. Look, I mean, it was a poor start. He has been injured. Obviously, he's got those those problems there, and trying to get back into that feel of the game. He's going to have some poor quarters, but he's still a really great scorer. So he's not a salary cap guy unless you bought him in as like that mid-pricer where you needed that cash grab. If that's the case, you need to look at upgrading him as soon as possible. Uh, Saints, not the best scoring game for the Saints this week. Seb Ross was good again. He's been pretty solid all season. Uh, Jack Steven, much the same as well, 104 from him. Jade Gresham uh, did pretty well this round as well, so 101 from him, two goals. Uh, looked to be in and under the packs as well with eight contested possessions. So he was playing a fair bit through the midfield. He was actually starting in the middle. So he's an interesting one to keep an eye on, actually, Jade Gresham. Uh, if he can get a lot more midfield time, he does have the ability to find the ball. So... As a forward, and he will be a forward next year, just keep an eye on where he's playing in the preseason. He's not not for this year, but going into next year, he could be very interesting. Uh, the one that caught my eye watching this game, actually, was Blake Akers. Back from a massive injury layout, he looked like he was set for a huge game. He was on about oh, 60-something, 70-something at a halftime. Look, he slowed down. Obviously, that match fitness isn't quite there, and he's finished on 91 But he was looking like one of the best forwards you could have at the start of the year. He went on an absolute tear for that first month and a half. Blake Akers, if he can get some of that match fitness back, he's going to be very, very interesting to look at as a point of difference player. Uh, Some of the other guys, Jack Billings, not enough from him. 75, you're hoping for a lot more than that considering his his form since coming back from uh, being dropped. Um, and then realistically, it's a lot of draft guys there who are <laughs> for particularly deep leagues, obviously. 
like um, Tim Membry, uh, Shane Savage is another one that's I I you'd be really comfortable with him in a draft league. I mean, he's a solid scorer, solid contributor. But if you're somehow still rolling with Shane Savage in salary cap leagues, he's one of the first that needs to be upgraded. It's it's unfortunate because he has such a good ability to score, but the Saints have a lot of those halfback type players. And even those younger players coming in, like Bailey Rice, who was dropped this week, but has been pretty solid. Uh, Nick Caulfield coming back in this week. I... I don't have too much faith in the St. Kilda halfback line. It's almost like Collingwood's where there's so many mouths to feed. They just don't have enough points to go around. Uh, Gold Coast and Carlton. Probably one of the more surprising outcomes of the weekend after Gold Coast smashed Sydney last week. You would have thought they would have comfortably dealt with the Blues at home. I mean, they almost doubled their score, the Blues. 79-44. to And in terms of fantasy, they were dominant. Paddy Cripps, 162. I mean, Mark Murphy, 139. They were both incredible. Paddy Cripps, in particular, is putting together some sort of second half of the year. He is absolutely in my top eight midfield at the moment. I, he, he just looks so good. And contested possession through the roof with 17. He's always around the ball. He's, he made 11 tackles. So he's always going to get you points at the very least from wrapping other players up. And, you know, other teams do have to worry about Mark Murphy a little bit out there. He is a really good player. He's a classy player, a good finisher. So you would have the odd feeling that if they're going to tag someone, they'll probably tag Murphy because he's more susceptible to it, whereas Cripps will find the ball one way or the other. So you can rest assured that Paddy Cripps is pretty secure in terms of his scoring. I just, if you don't have him in your side, work towards getting him in as soon as possible. Uh, Darcy Lang bobbed up for a good score. Interesting one to watch for next year for keeper leagues um, and even redraft leagues because he will be a forward. Uh, but they drafted him more to play a midfield role at Carlton. Um, he's had some pretty poor scores this year. Obviously, he didn't really have a preseason. He's coming off a lot of injuries. If he can put together a good preseason next year, he's a really interesting one to have a look at. Uh, Charlie Kurnow with 108 was fantastic. Cade Simpson. Thank God he looked like he was going to do absolutely nothing and then went on a tear in the second half, finishing on 101. I mean, even guys like Ed Kernow with 97, who's been really down, but that's a solid score from him considering some of his of late. Uh, one of my better picks for Risk It, which was Caleb Marchbank with an 89. I mean, that's definitely a tick. That's a pass, but... I. The, a disappointing thing from Caleb Marchbank was that he was on 83 at three-quarter time and only managed that six extra points in the last quarter. So it could have gone on for a massive score. He's still a young player. He was coming back from injuries this year. So we'll see what he can do for the rest. And then a lot of the youngsters bobbed up just to show a little bit of class and quality. Lockie O'Brien with a 61 and Paddy Dow with a 73. Those guys are going to be huge future players. Lockie O'Brien looks a lot like Andrew Gaff when he first started off in terms of how he finds the ball. And Paddy Dow just looks so classy. They're going to want to get the ball in his hands a lot through the midfield. Um, You know, you can't go wrong with owning either of those guys in a keeper league, particularly Paddy Dow. I mean, Lockie O'Brien, he'll probably be on waiver-wise for the next year or two. But Paddy Dow, you need to have this kid. He's going to be an absolute gun. Uh, On the Gold Coast side of the ledger, geez... I mean, not much. Jared Witts with 114. It was That was a really good score, and draft league owners would be through the roof with how this guy has been performing. 
But then from there, I mean, it falls all the way down to Stephen May at 93, who's going to miss a week after that huge bump on... Oh, I can't quite remember. I think he came through and collected one of the Kurnow brothers. Must have been Ed. And, jeez, <laughs> the best and worst of Stephen May. I mean, he's such a good player, but, jeez, when he gets a little bit angry, he will mess someone up. Um, Jared Lyons, 92, and Jesse Lonergan with the same score, who's... Showed a little bit more in that tagging sort of role. Uh, I'm I'm not sure. Again, he looked like someone who could be a fantastic fantasy pickup when he first came in, but he's just done nothing so far to show us he's a consistent scorer. So he's an interesting one to watch. Uh, Braden Fiorini coming back in from injury. Uh, and another player like Toby Green. He was on. I can't remember whether it was zero points or two points at quarter time. I mean, he just could not get near the ball. And this is after coming off of about 50 disposals in uh, last week's in the Apple game and 45 the week before. So it's not like he doesn't know how to find the pill. But uh, he finished up with 13 disposals for the game, but nine tackles to make it to 75. So, look, he's a midfielder. He's going to be a great scorer. He's coming back from injury. If you've got him in a keeper league or if, you know, even if you've got him in a redraft league and you picked him up off the waiver wire or something a couple of weeks before he came back in, hold the faith with Fiorini and I think he'll repay you towards the end of the year and particularly for keeper leagues going into next year. Um, yeah, I mean, realistically, one of the, the only other thing I want to quickly chat about here with Gold Coast is David Swallow. So, Went down, concussed. He hit the his head hit the ground after a Crips tackle. Looked like he wanted to get back up and play on, but the uh, the trainers just there's no way they were letting him. He was groggy. Um, he looked like a night off. Uh, he'd been a uh, for a big night out on the town. But uh, I mean, he should be back in this week. So draft league owners again. He was looking like he was in good form prior to this. So don't stress too much on Dave Swallow. He should be back in. Uh, next game of the round, uh, we had the Demons facing off against the Crows down in Adelaide. Demons did win this pretty comfortably in the end, but the fantasy scoring was skewed the other way, actually. So the Demons did it with only 100, and that was uh, Alex Neil Bullen, who turned up with 112. So uh, we actually had a conversation between myself and a couple of mates in our uh, draft league saying... You know, is Alex Neil Bullen a player that you should be keeping in a keeper league? It's a really interesting question. If he is a forward, absolutely you should be keeping him. Um, his trade value is really up in the air because if he's not a forward, if he's a midfielder, he doesn't score anywhere near high enough to be able to uh, to justify a position on your field or a keeper spot. If he is a forward, you know, he's he's been averaging about 77, 78 for the year. That's doable. You can definitely not only field that, but he's probably your third, maybe fourth forward on in your forward line. Uh, you're comfortable with that, but it's not a player you're particularly seeking out. So if he's a forward, he's a definite keep, but trade... You know, he might just have to be one of those stash players and hope he goes back to that, that amazing scoring from last year. Uh, Maxi Gorn with a 99 was, I mean, he's been fantastic all year. A little bit under what we know he can do, but he's, he's just one of the top two rocks. You just have to have Max Gorn. Um, Angus Brayshaw, 95, slowed down a little bit in the game, was on about 70, 65, something around there at halftime. 
you know, again, he's one of the best forward, uh, one of the best defenders going around at the moment. You do, you just have to have Angus Brayshaw. If you don't have him, you're not going to be making it very far into finals in your league. Um, Probably one of the downsides here, particularly for people who would have brought him in after... I mean, we've been raving about him the past three weeks. Clayton Oliver, you know, 89, he just didn't have enough of an outside game in this one. So he had a kick-to-handball ratio 13 to 18. So he racked up enough of the ball, but he only had the one mark, which really didn't help pad out his scoring. Um, And he only had the four tackles as well, considering you know, how much he's inside the contest. Uh, this is compared to Alex Neil Bourne's 12 tackles. So, you know, for me, uh, I just feel that he's going to absolutely bounce back next week. You don't have to worry about Clayton Oliver. If he can tidy that up and get that even stat line across his career, he's not only going to be one of the better players of the competition in terms of fantasy, he's probably going to be one of the top two players of the competition. It's going to be hard to dethrone Tom Mitchell considering the way he's going, but Clayton Oliver will give him a run for his money if he can really get an even stat line going. Uh, Moving on to the Crows, I mean, they were the ones who scored particularly well in this game. So, I mean, Matty Crouch with 123, that a lot of coaches will be sighing a, a breath of relief there because he hasn't been scoring as highly as we'd hoped he would have. But he, or he, I mean, he always shows something. He always has the ability to just get a few tackles in and under. So he finished with eight tackles for the game. Always handy to have that extra 32 points on the board. So, I mean, you can be pretty comfortable in saying that Matt Crouch is going to be one of the best midfielders uh, on the run home for fantasy finals. I, I wouldn't be going in finals without Matt Crouch. Uh, Bryce Gibbs, 113, looked much better this week. Wayne Millerer. He's a high draft pick from a couple of years ago. Has a lot of class with the ball. He's gone 112 this round. He's actually... That's coming off of uh, 110, I think he had earlier in the year. So he does have a bit of a ceiling. He's got an ability to find the ball um, and get in and under as well. So he had 12 contested possessions and nine... uh, Sorry, six tackles for the game. I... He's an interesting player. He's only averaged 69 for the year. If you don't, if he's unowned in a keeper league and you don't have that waiver lock off, I'd pick him up and see what he can do. Because, I, like I said, having a player who has that ceiling is fantastic to just hold on to, see what they do in the preseason next year. He might get more of a role change. He's been playing a little bit up forward. and He seemed to be purely in the midfield this week and maybe even a little bit off half back. So... Um, yeah, definitely one to keep an eye off, uh, an eye on. Uh, it'll be tough though, obviously, with Brody Smith coming back in. So, the fact that Paul Seedsman went down with the um, uh, with that injury um, might have meant that Wayne got pushed into that halfback role for just this game. But you know, maybe he showed enough where he can lock down that role and make it his own. So we'll see what uh, he can do going forward. A lot of other draft guys did particularly well in this game. Hugh Greenwood with 109. Fantastic for owners. Riley, he's actually been quite good the past couple of weeks. Uh, Riley Knight, 101. Rory Atkins, who just up and down everywhere. I mean, he gives the uh, the Stringer Coaster a real run for its money there because, you know, he's, he's gone 96 this week, but he's more than likely to go 40 next week, knowing Rory. Uh, the next Rory Sloan was tagged again this week. Um, Harms did a pretty good job on him, but at least he got up to 95. 
again, it just looks like Rory Sloan is the player that every single tagger from every team is going to be locking onto. So you just have to keep a real close eye on Rory Sloan. And he's definitely not one for salary cap leagues. I, I don't think he's a particular, you know, I, I just don't think that in uh, draft leagues... He, he's someone that you should be actively seeking out either. I, I don't think that he's uh, going to have a massive run home. The Crows have a little bit of a tricky run home, actually, and uh, they run into a couple of taggers as well. So um, probably a few more scores around the 90s for Rory Sloan. I don't think he's going to have a huge run. Uh, Rory Laird, um, the third Rory, uh, 72 from him. He's actually had a couple of poor weeks in the last two, 89 and 75. Look, uh, sorry, 72 there. Um, look, we all know what Rory Laird can do. Everyone has him. You don't have to worry about it. He's going to bounce back at some stage. Uh, just move on. Move on, deal with it. Uh, it's a couple of poor scores in a row. He will bounce back next week. I have absolutely no question about that. Um, next game of the round was the Sunday morning one. So what was that? It was uh, West Coast versus North. And North just never looked like losing this one. They were way too good in the midfield. Absolutely incredible. And... Speaking of midfielders, Ben Cunnington was outstanding. Now, he is a terrific draft own. He's been averaging about 95 for the year, which is pretty much dead on what you're expecting from someone that you would have picked up a little bit later because he is an unassuming, you know, sort of player. Uh, he's not that, you know, Paddy Dangerfield or um, uh, Clayton Oliver, those sorts of guys with the massive ceilings. Um, and someone who's going to be taken a lot earlier in the draft, you probably would have got him somewhere around about the 50s or 60s, and you'd be super happy with that sort of scoring from him. Um, Toddy Goldstein, 123 from him. Uh, He's actually one of the form players of the competition. Just having a look at some of Goldstein's numbers this year, he's averaged uh, over the last six, 111.8. So... If you're going to get down to really intricate numbers there, he's averaged 0.2 more than Max Gorn has over the past six weeks. Uh, And that includes some big scores like 118, 132, 125, and of course, another 123 this week. Again, I'd be much more comfortable with Maxi Gorn and Brody Grundy. But if you own Todd Goldstein in a draft league, if you held on to him through the poor patch at the start of the year you are absolutely laughing because you've basically got the equivalent of one of those guys at the moment in the form that Goldstein is in. He's been terrific. Um, Paul Ahern, if he's unowned in a keeper league, please, I mean, I assume you've gone out and grabbed him, but he he's just looked so good this year. He looks, he's been looking very consistent, uh, averaging about 70, and with this 118, he's proved that he does have a pretty big ceiling. And those 22 contested possessions were huge. That'll open up Brad Scott's eyes. He'll be played a lot more through the center midfield. I mean, he there's no downside with this guy. He just looks absolutely fantastic. Um, Ryan Clark is another little one to have a... You know, he's a really tough one to read. He was someone that a lot of people had pretty highly at the start of the year, considering how he came home at the end of last year. And maybe he's a uh, end-of-the-year specialist, because over the last month... Um, three of his scores have been 93, 114, and 105. Now, unfortunately, that's dotted in between with a 29 in there, which, I mean, that just hurts to even look at. But, yeah, he's 
he's got an ability to score, and he was played in a variety of roles through this game. So he was played through the midfield. He was coming off of a half-forward flank at times. He was go- pushing into the defense. I mean, he was sort of everywhere. So if he can lock down one of those more fantasy-friendly roles, maybe off of a half-back or even a half-forward flank that pushes into the middle and make sure that he keeps either defensive or forward position, he could still be one to look at for next year. It would be very interesting because he will be cheap. Uh, you know, Some of the other players uh, for North Melbourne, Sean Higgins has been a really good scorer this year, but again, as I was saying earlier, was tagged by Mark Hutchings. Um, scored 81. You're pretty happy with that from a def- uh, draft league point of view considering that, you know... Uh, Mark Hutchings has been keeping some of these guys to really low scores. But, again, it's just something to watch out for when a team is coming up against West Coast. Uh, Will Walker, the debutante, looked pretty capable. I mean, didn't score particularly high with a 57, but he did look like he sort of belonged at AFL level. He did some pretty good things. So, one to keep an eye on for the next few weeks. Obviously, next year in preseason, just to get a bit of a look. Um, West Coast, I mean... Really, only a couple of players stood up. So, Elliot Yo was fantastic. And just watching this game, listening to the commentators, they kept saying throughout the game that Elliot Yo had to stand up and Elliot Yo had to be the one that stood up. And Elliot Yo was the one that stood up. I mean, realistically, he had, what's that, uh, whoa, 20, 28 disposals, uh, 6 marks, 11 tackles. They were saying that he needs to be that contested possession inside ball getter. Well, he had 19 contested possessions, and that was only three less than Cunnington and uh, Ahern, who was, you know, being patted on the back so highly throughout the game. So, Elliot Yo was absolutely terrific, and that 136 was massive fantasy owners. If you don't have Elliot Yo in your backline, you're doing it wrong in salary cap leagues. You're you're just not going to win finals games without him in there. Uh, Jamie Cripps, you know, sneaky. You know, solid draft league player. I mean, he's been averaging about 77 for the year. 106 in this game, who was fantastic. Only needed one goal to do that as well. So he was playing, you know, he was playing deep forward, but he was getting those tackles. So seven tackles for him is more of a defensive role. He's actually been very solid this year. Uh, Scotty Lysett with 94 competed pretty well against uh, Todd Goldstein. Uh, and Shannon Hearn's been so solid all year with 93. Um, obviously, some of the downsides were Jack Redden, 93, not as high as you'd be expecting. And, of course, Andrew Gaff with an 83. Look, the entire West Coast team was pretty down this week, to be honest. Uh, it was a poor game. I wouldn't be looking too far into that from a salary cap league. If you own Andrew Gaff, you're going to need him in the run home. And particularly in that grand final against Brisbane, that should be a massive game for him up at the Gabba. So don't, you know, stress about Andrew Gaff at the moment. Um, and also just on Luke Shuey. So he was obviously a, a late out with, for personal reasons. I'm not 100% sure, but I do believe that I've heard that that was uh, in terms of his, um, you know, partner being pregnant and uh, possibly the birth happening sometime over the weekend. So... He should be back in for this week's game with absolutely no, you know, there's obviously no injury issue there. So if you bought him in last week and copped the late out, it sucks, it's unfortunate. But unless you've got the money to afford one of those real premiums, like, you know, bringing in someone like Jack McRae or Clayton Oliver or, um, you know, some of these guys, I wouldn't be looking at... uh, 
you know, going out of your way to move Shui on just this week. Uh, we'll move over uh, onto the uh, Western Bulldogs Port match, which was played out in Ballarat. Um, bit of an interesting choice that late in the afternoon, but oh well, we move on. Uh, Port, I mean, they just never look like losing this one. Uh, first quarter was really solid from both teams, but Port just pushed away. And some good fantasy scores in there as well. So Braddy, but we know what he can do from a draft league point of view. Chad Wingard, I mean, he's still in the top six forwards. I don't know how this happened after halfway through the season, but... He's playing more midfield time, and he just looks so good. You can't not have him in your forward line. Uh, Ollie Wines with 101 looked terrific. Jared Pollock looked great for 100. And Rocky was playing pure midfield time as well, which was probably one of the best things to see from this game for me. So Rocky was one of the ones that I was still a little bit iffy on in my forward line, but as long as he's playing midfield time, I'm more than happy to leave him there. He's a uh, set and forget for me. Um, some of the uh, youngsters who people would have brought in, Jared Lynott. Lynott? I have absolutely no idea how that's pronounced. But he was solid for a 72. Um, you know, he was playing in defense for most of the game. He he just looked like he was, you know, really comfortable at AFL level. Should get another game next week. Still reasonably cheap. So if you're looking for that downgrade player that will give you someone on your bench as cover just in case of a late out... Um, who you can still make a fair bit of money off, this is the guy for me this week. Um, Kane Farrell was another one that came in this week. Looked pretty solid, you know, with a 49. He doesn't have much scoring, uh, you know, a high scoring ceiling, but he was far from the worst player in this game for Port, so should hold his spot this week, Um, which, I mean, is exactly what we want, considering he's just bench backup. Um, If you're playing him on your field, you need to do something about that. But if you have some of these guys as backup on the bench, you know, that extra 50, 60, maybe even 70 points, if you have a late out, could be the difference between a win in finals and a loss in finals. So they do make a big difference. Uh, on the Bulldog side of the ledger, geez, thanks, Jackson Train Grove, mate. I mean, I he was my risk at last week, scored something like 29. Comes in this week and scores 120 with 28 hitouts, two goals, one behind. Uh, he was absolutely fantastic. Um, so, yeah, thanks, mate. Appreciate that this week. Uh, Joshy Dunkley, he is massive at the moment. I mean, 116 this week. In terms of his last five, he's averaged 108 points. I mean, if he's not the form forward of the competition at the moment, he's one of the top few. And he just looks absolutely incredible. He's playing that pure midfield role almost. He's in and under. Uh, When he does go up into the forward line, you know, for those little bursts, the ball just seems to always find him. And 12 tackles, by far the Bulldogs' highest tackle number. So I think the next best was something like seven. I have no issue in saying that he you should definitely try and get this guy into your forward line because he's still a point of difference as well. Uh, he won't be for the next uh, in the next couple of weeks if he keeps scoring like this, but if you can get him in this week and you know for the next couple of weeks get some of these massive scores that he is just pumping out, you're going to push yourself not just into a better position in finals, but you're probably going to guarantee yourself a win in the first week as well. Uh, Jack McRae, 112. He's scoring consistency consistently at the moment. I, I'm looking to move him in as soon as possible into my midfield because, I mean, he was just such a great scorer at the start of the year and he still looks like a gun. 
Uh, Lockie Hunter with 103 was solid for draft league owners. And then big drop off, 82 to Hayden Crozier. Uh, Toby McLean is a really interesting one for me at the moment. Um, He's not looked anywhere near uh, what he was... uh, you know, producing at the start of the year. So he's got an 80 this week. Uh, some of the other scores of late, he's he's actually, in his last seven games, only gone over 100 twice, uh, which was 101 last week against West Coast and 114 against Geelong. Um, before that, he's, you know, had an 84, another 84, uh, in round 14 to 75, and round 13 to 49. Uh, which was obviously that injury-affected one uh, where he took that knock to the shoulder. But that's pretty low. I mean, if you were to ask me right now, and I can't believe I'm saying this, which player I would prefer in my side out of McLean and Dunkley at the moment, I'd be saying Dunkley by a country mile because McLean just does not look like the same sort of player from the start of the year. Look, don't trade McLean out unless you've got absolutely nothing to do. So you should always be looking at improving your team. And if you've got no other rookies, no other underperformers in your side, and you know you don't have a player like Josh Dunkley in there, um, you could absolutely look at bringing Dunkley in for McLean. I have no issue with that. Um, yeah, just it, it's a risk, but it could be a massive uh, payoff for you in finals this year. Uh, particularly because uh, Dunkley is much more of a point of difference than McLean. A lot of teams out there own Toby McLean. Uh, So, uh, last game of the round, Fremantle versus the Hawks. I mean, again, this this was just an absolute thrashing. Fremantle didn't look like they stood a chance in this game. Uh, And probably the biggest reason for that is, I mean, just the best fantasy player going around at the moment by... By so far, it's not funny. Tom Mitchell, Matt's not here at the moment, uh, so I can uh, fawn a little bit about Tom Mitchell, and I will for as long as I possibly can, because his numbers are just phenomenal. I mean, I know we keep going back to Tom Rockliffe of uh, a few years ago and saying that is the absolute benchmark. I think Tom Mitchell at the moment is the absolute benchmark of the best we've ever seen in terms of a fantasy player. Uh, his last f- three average, he's gone 157, 187, and 160 to average 168 in his last three. And just in case that's too short a or too small a sample size for you, you know, you might want a couple more games thrown in there. His last five average, uh, you throw in a 96 and a 195 before that, still gives him an average of 159, which is just phenomenal. So, obviously, the harder tags are going to come, and he did struggle with that at the start of the year, but you'd be stupid not to just throw your captaincy on him and just hope for the best. I mean, realistically, you're he's those sorts of numbers, you can't not put the captaincy on him. So, just throw the C on him and just set and forget, guys. Don't don't try and overthink things. Um, Liam Shields was good in this game, 119. Jaeger, he's having a great season, to be honest. Just looking at his numbers, he's now averaging 97. So considering how cheap he was at the start of the year, not only have you made some money on him if you bought him in salary cap, but if you got him in draft leagues, you would have picked him up reasonably late and he's thrown in some big scores for you. So well done to those coaches out there. Um, another little player just to dissect quickly who's one of the form forwards of the competition is Luke Bruce. So, I mean, some of the small forwards 
they have a tendency to float in and out of games, and their scoring really does depend on goals. So if the team performs poorly, they'll normally have a shocker. But if you just look at his numbers, since the bye, he's actually averaged 102.8 per game. That is... So over seven games, um, there's been only one really terrible score in there, which is a 51. So that 51 is dragging that average down even further. So, I mean... He, like it's similar to Dunkley. If he's not one of the better forwards of the uh, the competition at the moment, he's absolutely one of the form fantasy forwards. You'd have to have a lot of balls to pick him up, but I mean, he could reward you in a big way. So he, the only situation I could see picking up Luke Bruce in would be if you are desperate to try and make, uh, you know, you're really struggling to get into finals. This is your last chance this week, and you're coming up against a team who has, you know, all most of the same guys you do. You don't have too many point of difference players. Maybe you could bring in a Luke Bruce for someone like Toby McLean who's underperforming just to see what you can do. You know, if you're going for that league win and you really only have one more shot at finals, that could be something interesting that you're doing. If you're going for uh, uh, ranking, so you're trying to get the highest possible ranking, uh, you know, that's probably not a move that I would pull. The The risk there is too great. But if you need to take a risk, it, I don't mind that move at all, to be honest. Uh, Taya Miles was very, very solid for 100, looked fantastic in this game. Um, you know, he was playing largely off of a sort of a wing, a pretty outside game from him, um, which, I mean, Isaac Smith hasn't been quite himself and, uh, you know, loping off of that wing on the uh, uh, the Christ- uh, uh, sunny side of the grounds this weekend just didn't quite look like the sort of massive scorer that he was at the start of the year for draft league owners. Um, you wonder if some of these other younger kids are starting to take some of that time away. Some players like um, Taya Miles, um, John O'Rourke came in for this game, uh, scored a solid 75 and looked like he was playing a good in and outside uh, game type. Um, it'll be interesting to see going forward for Isaac Smith. But for draft league owners, you can still comfortably play him on your ground as a midfielder if he's one of your last uh, fielded players. Um Lastly, over on the Dockers side of things, I mean, some solid scores from there. Dave Mundy in particular was exquisite in this game. 128 from him. He was fantastic. Uh, Lockie Neal, again, just such a solid contributor and such a solid fantasy player as well. He's pretty much going to get you 100 or thereabouts every single week. Um, Ed Langdon with 101. Another solid forward, but... Just you know, just when we thought he was going to be become one of the better fantasy forwards of the competition, about midway through this year, he had that down patch, and he's only just starting to work his way back from that now. Um, the really interesting one for me was actually Andrew Brayshaw. So ninety six points, uh, he looked absolutely incredible, and there's a reason why this guy was taken so highly in the draft. And I've always rated him as a particularly good fantasy player. He's going to be a great fantasy player going forward. If after his injury and a few poorer scores in your keeper league, for some reason he was uh, put onto the waiver wire, just go out and pick him up now. You're going to thank me later. He is going to be a fantastic, solid fantasy player for his entire career. Um, And 
on the other end of the scale, you know, some of the rookies who have performed particularly well for parts, but, you know, have been down this week, you know, players like Adam Cheryl with a 45, back those guys in still. I mean, he's going to be another fantastic player for keeper league owners. So, you know, don't get, uh, you know, the... Um, don't get too off-put by some of the poor scores coming up towards the end of the year, particularly for these rookies, because they are still young and they are going to run out of legs. Andrew Brayshaw has had a few weeks off injured, so he's probably got um, a little bit more gas left in the tank than some of these other guys. Uh, Sean Darcy is another one. I mean, he's going to be the number one Ruckman at uh, Fremantle going forward. 67 this week. We saw what he can do last year in particular and for a couple of games this year. So in keeper leagues, you absolutely need to hold on to this guy. He is going to be fantastic. Uh, so that's all I want to bring up from that game, which was the last of the round. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to break the podcast up here. Um, I'll be back with you uh, for our mailbag section where I'm going to answer some of your questions. And also, I mean, it's going to be weird playing Risk It for the Biscuit by myself uh, and not laughing at most of Matt's picks on the other side of the desk. But... We'll push through. Matt sent me through his risk at picks this week, and I'll make mine just to see if we can help you with that last waiver wire pickup before finals, just to, you know, hopefully get over the line, make it into finals for your league, and then push on deep into the season. So we'll catch you for the mailbag in a minute. 